isn't that responsorial psalm just an amazing one? You are the highest honor of our race. I was thinking in, the, in this time of, of Advent and Mary and feasts, it's, it's amazing how many times those that go to daily Mass um, will hear the, these readings all the way up until we get to Advent about preparing for the Nativity of our Lord. And, <laughs> gosh, I, sometimes when, I, when I'm thinking about our Blessed Mother, I don't exactly know where to start. Um, <laughs> but how many, it's like how many signs or how many things do we need as a people to really believe? We think about this time of Advent, of preparation, John the Baptist being this example of somebody who prepares the way for the Lord's coming. That is what Mary has been doing since this rest of time, preparing for the Lord's second coming. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Fatima, all these different apparitions, Our Lady of Cabello. I mean, there's all these apparitions of us. She is trying to prepare her people for the Lord's second coming. And, and it's just amazing how hard-headed in, in belief that we can be sometimes about these different apparitions, about these different signs. If we remember, we just celebrated the Immaculate Conception. If we remember that St. Bernadette, when Our Lady appeared to her, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't educated. She didn't know much about the church. She could barely really understand her catechism. She was like just catechized enough to be able to kind of move on in her faith journey at that time in her life. And this was only a few years after the Pope had proclaimed the dogma of the Immaculate Conception. But Mary says to St. Bernadette, she identifies her, herself and she says, I am the Immaculate Conception. St. Bernadette had no idea what that even meant. No idea what that meant. And she brings it to the bishop. And of course, they don't really believe and they're kind of hard-headed and everything like that. Most of the world, remember that this time in the late 1800s, most of the world did not even know that there was a dogma of the Immaculate Conception yet. It took a long time for things that the Pope said to really work its way out into the world in that time frame when, when news just did not travel quickly. St. Bernard had no idea what that even was. And then in Our Lady of Guadalupe, this, this image, I'm sure many of you have a devotion to Our Blessed Mother, know about all of the amazing things about this image. It's unbelievable. It's just like, what more, what more miracles do we need Our Blessed Mother to do so that we start to believe that our faith is real? It's unbelievable. They, they examine the image and the pigment is, is not adhered to the fibers. It seems to be hovering above them by some, some miraculous way, uh, undone by human hands. Even the fibers themselves are natural fibers made from a cactus. They've reproduced the tilma of Juan Diego before, made an image on it and put it next to it, and it decomposes. And yet these natural fibers of the tilma are still essentially incorrupt. I mentioned that the other day at the Immaculate Conception about when we talked about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was made 
of acacia wood, which was translated or considered to be incorrupt wood. Our Blessed Mother, the incorrupt ark that would carry our Lord Jesus Christ. The, these, these signs that she gives us are unbelievable. And I mentioned this in one of my Immaculate Conception Masses, but I never know which one. I forget to mention it or not mention it. But I said, I have one dream in my life, one, one time where I dreamt of the Blessed Mother. And, and in the dream, she looked as if you would see her from Our Lady of Lords, and, and in so many images, you know, white with the blue mantle. And she said one thing to me in the dream, keep praying. And of course, like everybody, like every one of us, like all of the visionaries are like, please tell me more, tell me more. You wanted to be like, stay with me, tell, tell me more. But that's all that I got. And that's what she keeps telling her people. Keep praying. Keep making penance. Keep asking for forgiveness of your sins. It's just, it's amazing. And then we have these signs, all of the, like I said, all of these signs, and yet people still have a hard time believing. When I went to Lourdes for the first time, it was only a few years ago, and I was with Archbishop Sample, um, Deacon Randy Wong, Deacon Dustin Bussey, Father Jeff, our vocations director, and then Father Rick Lefebvre. We were all there together for a pilgrimage. And this was in February, in the middle of February. And we're around the grotto. And we're getting there, we're walking up near the grotto. And, I, and I'm, I'm, gosh, I'm the worst, you know, I'm the worst. I'm like, gosh, I'm a, I'm a priest and I, and I still struggle with belief at times. I was like, I smell roses. I was like, am I crazy? That's what I'm thinking. And so I say it out loud, thinking like, okay, I'm just going to say it out loud. Does anybody else smell roses or am I crazy? No, Archbishop Sample's like, I, yeah, I smell it too. My gosh, it's so strong. And everybody's like, that's, that's amazing. And like the biggest skeptics in the world, I tell you, I was sniffing every natural surface like you know, like, is it the rock? Is it this? Is it like Disneyland where they're pumping out the smell of chocolate chip cookies into the street or something like that? And it, but it was in the middle of winter. It was freezing outside. And all of the vegetation was dead. There were no leaves on any of the plants or the trees or anything like that. But as we got close, and there's a river flowing right there, everything that could kind of absorb that smell. But yet it was right there around that area of the grotto, and I, I just couldn't believe it. And just like that miracle that Juan Diego witnesses as well, he goes up in the middle of winter when no roses could possibly be in bloom, and yet there's all these Castilian roses blooming. And those are the roses that he gathers in his tilma, that when he pours them out in front of the bishop, then the image appears. It's just amazing. What more do we need from Our Lady to believe, to really believe these things? And I know, of course, I'm kind of preaching to the choir, right? Because you're here because you believe. Just yesterday in the car, I was listening to, um, you know, one of you who's here today gave me a great CD about, one of the, uh, about a story of the rosary, a story where a um, military unit, uh, I believe it was from Canada, um, a, an aviation unit, their new commander came in, and the first thing that he did is he came into the bunk of the bunks of the enlisted men, and he said that he was going to stay with them. 
which impressed all the enlisted men at that time that he was going to stay with them instead of a place where it was set aside for officers. And what they noticed about him that first night is he knelt down by his bunk and he started to pray the rosary. And then that kind of also impressed them, even those that weren't prayerful men. And then the same thing happened the next day. And this example happened. And so other Catholics started to join him. And then even those that were not Catholic started to join him. And he said, if we pray this rosary, if we're devoted to our Blessed Mother, we will all come home. And they fought, and they fought, and they got in battles, and not one man in that unit died. Sometimes they could hear the commander over the radio start, Hail Mary, full of grace, and they all joined him. And this story was related to one of the men who survived, and he had his rosary in his pocket, and he said, I'm not even Catholic, but I still pray my rosary because of his example and the love he had for Our Lady. He said, in fact, even when I transfer all of my things to a new set of pants, before I even move my wallet over, I first take the rosary out and put that in my pocket first. And I had just got done praying the rosary, and then I started listening to that. And of course, as you've seen me before, it just brought me to tears in the car, you know, just driving, brought me to tears. And so what did I do? I just prayed the rosary again because I felt so called to do so. Our Blessed Mother is trying to prepare the way for us for the second coming of Jesus, for our own deaths, for us to be oriented in heaven to a life with God. We have to start listening to her and convincing those of our family and friends that don't believe that it's real. Somehow, some way, just like that commander spread the rosary to men who don't even believe in the Catholic Church or our Blessed Mother particularly, but they certainly believed after they all survived the war. Our Blessed Mother is interceding on our behalf. We need to continue to ask her to pray for us. And just like she told me so many years ago, keep praying. It's a message of perseverance. Ask for forgiveness of your sins. Make penance and keep praying. It's not a complicated message. It's the same message she continues to give different peoples throughout the world. So continue. Keep praying bolster that devotion to our Blessed Mother. And we'll be prepared. We'll just simply be prepared for when our time comes and when the Lord comes again. God bless you all.